Oh, amen. Thank you so much, and we're glad you're here tonight. Thank you so much for all the family and friends that are here at Celebrate. And don't forget, we have reception after service tonight uh, down here. You are our guest of honor. Just save us some foods, all we ask. Don't eat it all. All right, no, just kidding. Just kidding. You know, I was sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching this message once again. Last time we had baptism, I kind of changed the message around, and I, I see it happening again, uh, thanks to David and the wonderful Holy, Holy, Holy that we sang tonight and this song that we just sang that tells the gospel story so clearly and so important. And here's kind of what was going through my brain. Now, most of you were here this morning, and most of you know that Judy and I just got back from Korea. Our son-in-law is stationed in the army over in South Korea. And like we're talking about very South Korea, by the way. And um, we're about, I guess, about as far south as you can go there. And we got back Friday night. And uh, it was a very different experience for us, a very different experience. The people, the culture there, we've been all over the world. We've been, to, I'd like to, I think I said this morning, I've been in about 24, five countries, seven countries, somewhere in there, in different places. And, and the culture there was just so different. The people were so stoic. Um, I, I was, I, you know, I'm a waver, you know, I, I wave at everybody and I'm sure they're wondering who that gray head guy, I, uh, you know, I, I do the walk-in thing still, you know, and this little, the base they're on is very small, there's housing there, and it's a half mile around the perimeter of the base, you have to go, you know, I had to stay on the base, and inside this fence, and I just waving at people, and I know they're going, who's that old man waving? We don't, first off, we don't have old people, and secondly, he's waving at everybody. And, you know, I was just a Georgia boy, you know, just from the south. But anyway, the people there were so, so stoic, and I was so surprised. I was out walking by the river one day, and um, finally, so, someone acknowledged me. I would wave at people, and they would just, like, look past me. Um, and, and there was kind of like a heaviness, it seemed. That's the way I would put it. There was a heaviness on the country there. And we were, I was talking with Judy and talking with Blake and Sarah. And, you know, I, I'm not so sure some of it is not their past because the past of Korea is so difficult. Um, in 1910, you didn't come for our history lesson, but I'll give you a little bit of one. In 1910, the Japanese kind of put Korea under their prote- protection and basically occupied the country. And uh, they remained occupied by Japan up until the end of World War II in 1945. And, um, man, it was just very difficult. Um, things Judy learned about was something called comfort women, and they basically just took these 200,000 of these Korean women and placed them at the disposal of the Japanese soldiers to be done with however they saw fit. It's a very difficult time. And, um, and, and since that, since 1945, they've been an independent nation, but they've also lived under the threat of North Korea. And so from 1950 to 1953, the Korean War um, was fought there. And uh, as a veteran and as an American, that interests me a lot. And so one of the things I got to do while we were there is we got to go to Hill 303. And you say, what is Hill 303? And I didn't know what Hill 303 was either until I got there. And apparently what happened was there was a battle right there where Sarah and them were stationed and where all these people live in Daegu. And um, I didn't realize that 90% of the country was overrun by communists uh, at one point in the war. And so there on Hill 303, and believe me, trust me, I'm a guy who walks five miles a day, uh, five days a week, and I did everything I could to get up this hill. That's how steep it was. It's about a mile up and a mile down, and it was difficult. It was hard. And on Hill 303, um, there were Korean and American soldiers up there, and they were overrun by the communists. And, um, of course, some died in battle, but the bottom line is the uh, North Koreans and Chinese executed a lot of American soldiers on that hill. 
uh, weren't killed in battle. They shot them. They killed them. And so there's this memorial there to those who fought and died on Hill 303. And as we were singing this last song and holy, holy, holy. Oh, I'm so teary tonight. Um, jet lag. That's what it's jet lag. As we're singing this, I'm thinking, that's just what he did for us. He climbed a hill that was not his to climb. He was executed on a hill, not for his own sin, not for anything he did. Just like the American soldiers were there to fight that battle that was not theirs to fight. America wasn't under attack. Korea was, South Korea was. And so these American soldiers went to that hill and died for a battle that was not theirs to fight. They paid a sacrifice that was not theirs to have to pay. And yet they willingly did it. And you know, the thought is is that so many Koreans have forgotten that. I think that's the sad part. Just like so many Americans have forgotten the blood that was shed on all these different soils around the world, that we would have the freedom to stand tonight and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we'd have the freedom to do the things that we have to do. We forget that. And so many Korean people, not the older ones as much as the younger ones, now, if anything, see Westerners, see, see Americans on their soul as almost an inconvenience, as almost something they have to tolerate. And, um, and they've lost sight of what Jesus Christ did. And I'm so grateful tonight because of what we just experienced, the wonder of, of, of this thing called grace that God extends to us, that even though we're broken, we're unworthy people, He extends His grace to us and welcomes us to His family for any person who's willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A man who died for sins that were not his own, but were ours. And he paid the price for that. And we had the right to come into the family of God. Now, our scripture tonight is Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And I want to kind of continue the thought we had this morning, but I also now really want you to see it through the lens, through the tenor of what I just said about the Korean people forgetting. They, they, a lot of them just don't get what 1950 to 1953 was about. They, they, they don't, a lot of them, young people do not go to the memorials. They don't go back and learn the history that they were overrun by an enemy and they were set free by, by their own people, but also by some Americans and other nations, by the way, who are willing to go and shed blood and die. And we kind of see a story here of that, that stoicism, that, that idea that people walk by and don't see. I, a lot of people would see this tonight and have no clue the significance of what, what tonight was all about. And that's how it is uh, when so many people in the world, and it's how it is in our story tonight. And so the Bible says that in verse number 13 of Luke chapter 12, you know, someone in the crowd. Now, Jesus has been teaching, okay? He's been teaching all this incredible, deep spiritual truth. He's preaching, basically, and someone interrupts the message. You know, I'm not sure what I would do. That's never happened. But basically, someone just kind of interrupts the message. And here's what they say. Someone from the crowd said to him, teacher. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So apparently, mom and dad had died, all right? And so it came time to divide the inheritance up, and the older son would get two-thirds, and the younger son would get one-third. And apparently, from the story, we can tell that this is the younger son. This is the young son who would have got a third, and for whatever reason, 
his older brother has not shared the inheritance with him yet. And so the younger brother has grown inheritance. And in spite of the fact that he's standing in front of a rabbi, a teacher, who has this, not only teaches incredible truth, but does some crazy incredible things like raising people from the dead, opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears, healing people of leprosy, just some incredible things. Taking a few loaves of bread and feeding 5,000 people. Some incredible things. He's totally, he's totally missing that. Just like so many of the Korean people miss what happened on Hill 303. So many people today have lost and miss the wonder of this God of creation. So he interrupts the sermon and says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And then, and then Jesus says something. He says, Friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? In other words, you know, he says basically this. There is a time and a place. There's a time and a place for us to talk about this. But this is not the time or the place. And the reason why is because of the setting that deep spiritual truths were being told. So so there may have been a time to talk about inheritances. There may have been a time to talk about possessions. There may have been time to talk about importance of stuff blank bringing over from this morning's message. There's a time to talk about that, but that is not the time. And then that calls us the great storyteller, Jesus, to break into another story. And so uh, you know, I know the disciples probably wondered, you know, here he goes again with another story. So before he tells the story, he says in verse 15, so he told the, the people there, the disciples, he told them, watch out. He said, watch out and be on guard against all greed. How many of y'all would agree tonight that America, particularly Western culture, is just obsessed with stuff? Amen? We really are. Think about it. I mean, the labels that we wear, even this shirt here. Yeah, this shirt here has this little thing here. Now, in case I know you can't see it. It's some reefs, and it's got a, a C in the middle, I think. And this happened to come from Coles. I'll tell you where it came from. And it's a Chaps brand. And, and so when people see that, they're supposed to go, ooh, he's got a Chaps shirt on. Did y'all all do that this morning when you saw him? I mean, see, did y'all see that and go, ooh, 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 how about that? You know? Okay, so we're so obsessed with labels and things. The things, labels and things where we live, the car we drive, oh boy, is that big in Korea. The, the car we drive, you know, if you're, if you're gonna drive, form a, uh, drive a Beamer or a Mercedes, for goodness sake, over there, oh wow, what a status symbol it is. In fact, you could tell very clearly, cars were a status symbol in Korea. Even if you had one of the cheaper brand, brands, it was polished and it was shiny and it was clean. I mean, it's very obvious that that was important. And so, and so we live in a culture today that stuff is really important. Stuff is really important. So, so Jesus back then says, and it would really ring with us, watch out and be on guard for all kinds of greed. I think one of the other translations says, watch out for covetousness. Watch out for, for greed that grabs and holds the things. Because here, here's the big lesson. This is worth the price of admission tonight. Okay? If we could learn this tonight, it'd be worth the price of admission. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. How countercultural is that? How countercultural is that? Again, for those who were not here this morning, we talked about a story in the Bible where Jesus talks about talents and and one guy's given five talents and for 
for sake of illustration, he was given $500. Another guy was given $200. Another guy was given $100. And then, then the manager kind of said, hey, now go do, the steward, the owner said, go do business with what I've given you. And that's kind of what God has done with us. He's, he's assigned different levels of, of, of responsibility and said, now go do business. And, and the thing is, we somehow associate more with success. And, and listen, the guy who received one talent had the same potential for success as the guy who had five talents. You are not what your label says. You are who God says you are. You are not what your label says you are. You are who God says you are. And boy, do you need to hear that tonight. You need to hear that. I mean, and there's plenty of rock chuckers in churches, people who think they're spiritual and they're not, and they'll chuck rocks at you and say, yeah, because you don't do this or you do that, then I'm better than you are. They're just wrong. Okay, what is important is what God says about you and who you are. So he says, be aware because life is not in the abundance of possessions. And then he goes into the story. And again, it's a common story. Those of us who do church frequently, you've heard this story probably over and over again. He says in verse number 16, then he told them a parable. He tells them a story. A parable is a teaching tool. Jesus would make these stories up. They weren't true. He was just telling a story, but it taught a spiritual principle. Okay? So Jesus would say it this way. I've got a story for you today. And, and Chris, I bet you and Kim get over to, 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 uh, to I better say Spain because I can't get the other one out of my mouth. Okay? Alright, well you get there, you'll probably have some opportunities to share stories from the Word of God. Story is a great way to share God's truth. We do it a lot in Africa. Okay? So he says, I've got a story for you. He says, there was a rich man and his land was very productive. So in other words, it's one of those times when, when this guy was a farmer, and I mean he had a bumper crop. It's one of those times when the rains fell just right, the sun was just right, and there was a huge production in, on his farm. He had lots and lots of crops. There were 17. He thought to himself, what should I do with all this stuff? What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Now, now this is a, what a great problem to have. It's kind of like saying, I've got so much money, one bank won't hold it. How, how am I going to, what am I going to do with all this money that I have? Well, how, what am I going to do this? Well, he's faced with this problem of the crop is so big, all the storage bins that he has will not hold this crop. And the failure is, he didn't see it as an opportunity to help others, he saw it as an opportunity to hoard, to pull in. And again, in American culture, that is our nature. We want to pull in to it. And he, he would have had lots of options. I, I mean, he could have he could have given some to God. He could have gone down to the temple and the synagogue and said, Hey, you know, I understand you guys have a little bit of a need here. You like to help people. So I'd like to give some some of this crop away for, for you to use in ministry. Um, he, he, could have, he could have just started a ministry himself. He could have gone down to the local food bank and said, Here, I'd like to buy some food and just give it so you guys can feed the poor people. There are lots of needs and lots of options. Again, keep in mind the culture that Jesus lived in was beyond poor. So there was just tons of opportunities for him to help others. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't even consider it. He didn't even consider it. I mean, you know, when God gives us, and I'm, boy, believe me, I'm preaching to me. When God gives us a bumper, you know, a bumper crop, we need to find out, why did God give us this bumper crop? Well, this guy, and again, this guy's not a believer. He's not a Christ follower. He's not a disciple of Jesus. You know, he's just a guy, a guy who got blessed, okay? So he says this. Here's what I'm going to do, verse 18. Here's what I'm going to do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and then store all my grain and my goods there. 
So it never crossed his brain because, again, the culture he lived in, it would not have. And so he simply said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down all these barns. I'm going to build bigger barns and put all my stuff in these bigger barns, okay? And then here's the big mistake. Here's the big mistake. Then I'll say to myself, boy, a lot of people have said this. You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Big amounts of stuff equals lots of time in his mind. Have you heard that before? I, it grieves me. I mean, and I mean this too. It grieves me. I, I hear stories of a man who will work 30 years at a corporation and retire and die. Everyone heard stories like that? And it seems so, can I just be candid with you? It sounds so unfair. I go, that is just wrong. You know, guy, guy works and works and works and finally is, you know, has enough, but more than has enough is of the age. And he retires and, and dies. Well, this guy under, thought he understood and said, well, since I have lots of stuff and I've made really good plans for a lot of years, I'm going to live a lot of years. Guess what? We don't know. We just don't know how long we're going to live. You know, just because you've made great plans for your retirement doesn't mean you're going to get to enjoy that retirement. I told him this morning, I'll tell you again tonight, just read the obituaries. Death is no respecter of persons. I mean, it knocks on doors of, doors of kids and teenagers and young adults as well as senior adults. And so in this case, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to take it easy because I got a lot of stuff and that means I got a lot of time. Well, God had a different opinion. Uh, here's another but. You know, I, it's, ever since Matt said that, every time I run around, I, I, you know, I run into a but of God, you know, where God says, but. And boy, when God's, when you got a story going and then God says, but, you need to pay attention to it. Okay, well now, but God said, you're full. You're full. Now some of y'all go, whoo, push back, Dwayne. I didn't say it, God did. And I got a feeling God can say whatever he wants. Okay? But, but if it helps you, if it helps you a little bit, I would say this. God's saying, you were acting foolish. If it helps you a little bit, you're acting foolish. You're acting like a fool. Now, now, in this morning's message, in Psalm 14, 1, there's this really cool verse. And the first part of that cool verse says this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's a foolish thing. There are two things. Actually, there's, that's two things. One is, it's, it's a foolish thing not to believe in God. You know, really in America, you know, everybody says, well, I don't believe in God anymore. There are so few real atheists. But I'll tell you what, there is a lot of practical atheists. Even, even believers, even believers sometimes will say, I believe in God, I've trusted Jesus, but they turn right around and live as if there's no God. So, so this verse has a dual meaning. It, it's a foolish thing to, to believe there's no God, and it's a foolish thing to live like there's no God. It's a foolish thing to believe there's no God, it's a foolish thing to live like there's no God. And so he says, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. And God says this, man, you're foolish. Because here's what's going to happen. This very night, your life is demanded of you. See, you don't, you don't have a year. You, 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 don't, you don't have five years of retirement. This very night, you're going to check out. The last heartbeat is not five years away or ten years away. The last heartbeat is tonight. 
And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All that, all that you talked about, the bumper crop and the bigger barns and all that stuff, who's going to own that stuff after tonight? Because after tonight, you're not going to be there. And the answer is someone else. There are no U-Hauls on the road to eternity. There are no U-Hauls. There are no, if you ever notice that, there's no, there's no trailer hitches on hearse. Because you don't need a trailer. You know, Job said, naked I came into this world. Naked I'm going to leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We leave it all here. And so, so God says, who's this stuff? You are so, you are so consumed with stuff. Who's going to get the stuff? And the answer is not you. Someone else will, by the way, just to make you feel really good tonight, the government's going to get their share. The government's going to get their share. And then he says this. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's how it is for the person who is a consumer, a puller in, a hoarder for self as not rich toward God. Now, I'm going to do something tonight I don't ordinarily do. But this week, in fact, it happened while I was in Korea. We, I get several devotions in my, in my email account. And when I read this one, I said, oh my goodness, this is really good. And it really is. So excuse me if I read a little bit and, and add some commentary. Because I thought it was that good. It needed to be, Okay. Directed with this scripture, it says, The object of life, according to Jesus... Now listen, this is worth hearing. The object of life, according to Jesus, is breathtakingly simple. Be rich toward God. See, someone sitting here today said, No, 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 no. I thought the object of life was to amass, to gain, to get, to hoard, to keep, to buy. No, 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 no. Through the lens of God, okay... And through this parable that we just heard, you know, the object of life is simple. It's to be rich toward God. Now watch, listen to this. These are good words. When the game is over, now you know what they're talking about there, don't you? Daniel, you know what they're talking about? When the game is over, it's the last heartbeat. Whether it's, whether it's tonight, tomorrow night, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 40 years, however far it is in your future, the last heartbeat, okay? When the game is over, all that will matter. All that will matter will be God's assessment of our lives. That's all that will matter. When it comes down to last heartbeat, and when it comes down to eternity, there's only one thing that matters, and that's God's assessment of your life. Again, I saw these were just good words. Venture capitalists, Hollywood stars, sports stars, high school janitors, and Somalitan tribesmen will stand in line before him on level ground. Eternity is the great equalizer. It just doesn't matter if you could go to farmers or, or one of these other banks, leaders banks, one of these other banks, and it wouldn't matter if you could write a check for a million dollars in eternity. It just doesn't matter. Because eternity is the great equalizer. And the only thing that matters is God's assessment of your life. And then the, the devotion gave a like 
like six things. Now, again, see this through the lens of the believer. This is not just throwing these words out for every person, but for the believer who wants to be rich. What does it mean for a person who believes in God and who's trusted Jesus Christ and has come into the family of God? What does it mean to be rich toward God for those kind of people? Well, the, the devotion says, being rich toward God means growing a soul, your soul, that is increasingly healthy and good. In other words, and recognizing the importance of enriching your own soul, growing spiritually. You know, that's what this act of obedience tonight in baptism was a big thing. It really was. It may not get them to heaven, but it really is a big step of obeying God. For, all, for many people, it's the first step of obedience as a new believer in Jesus Christ. Being rich toward God means loving and enjoying the people around you. We miss that. Koreans miss it. I go to Africa. Jeremy, you saw it. Is Tim here? No. Who else been to Africa? Yeah, there you are. Thanks, buds. There you are. What are you doing over there? You're always over here. How can I preach to you if I don't know where you are? <laughs> we go to Africa, right? Kids love it. You agree with the kids? Family's so important. You know? Not in Korea, you don't see that. In America, you know what? We don't do too good of a job. We think if we keep our kids going to 37 activities a week, we're somehow good parents. Your kids don't need 37 activities. They need you. They need you. They need your love, your affection, your affirmation. That's what they need. Being rich toward God means loving and enjoying the people around you. Being rich toward God means learning about your gifts as a believer and passions and doing good work to help improve the world. That's true. That's true. The richness... Toward God, if we reach out in Jesus' name and touch people's lives. Easter Sunday, back to school, judgment house, Bible school, whatever it is. As a corporate body and individually, as we reach out to people. Being rich toward God means becoming generous with your stuff. That's one I wrestle with. I don't mind if Judy writes a check from the family stuff. But those of you who know me know I have a kitty fun. And that's the one I have total say over. And I'll say, Judy, we need to give $500 to Lottie Moon out of the family fund. Don't mess with my kitty. Because that's my fund. It's being generous with your stuff. Teaching, teaching your kids to be generous with their stuff. Being rich toward God means making that which is temporary become the servant of that which is eternal. Can I read that one again? Do I need to read that one again? Being rich toward God means making that which is temporary become the servant of that which is eternal. Wow. Jim Elliott said, He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's seeing everything we own and are through the lens of eternity. Being rich toward God means, excuse me, Baptist, being rich toward God means savoring every roll of the dice and every trip. Around the board. The idea of a game board. Rolling the dice and going around. It's every day is a gift from God. Being rich toward God is enjoying the gift of life that he has given you. And then the author goes on and says, Each of these dimensions of richness matters. But Je- now, this is huge. But Jesus expressed richness in two great commands built around one word. Can anybody guess what the one word is? Two commands, one word. Love. Who said it? Yeah, love, that's exactly right. Love, love. What do you say? 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your heart. And love your neighbors yourself. Paul went on to say, on that thing hinges everything. The whole law, all of it hinges on that. On that. Jesus said, all of it hinges on that. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. In our daily walk, love God, love people. And as Christ followers, that should be our mantra. That should be who we are. We should love God and we should love people. It's not, it's not enough to just, Angie, it's not enough just to love God. He calls us to love people. Even those who are not very lovable. Because I know y'all don't know anybody like that. You're probably married to one. Let's just be honest, okay? Let's just throw it out there. You're probably married to one. Ben, why would you look at Tim like that? <laughs> i tell you what. Now, listen to this. Everything else is common. Beyond that, love God, love people. Everything else is commentary. No one, number one, no one can do this and be poor in God's eyes. No one, if you're going to talk about being rich toward God, no one can do this and be poor in God's eyes. Love God, love people. Watch this. No one can fail to do this and be rich in God's eyes. That's powerful. That's strong. No one can do this. No one can fail to do this and be rich in God's eyes. Being rich toward God begins with giving to God that which He desires most of all. What, what do you think God desires most of all from you? Ah, you know, don't you? No. It's you. He wants you. He desires you. He desires your love and your devotion, your heart. That's what He wants. He desires you. That's what it's all about. So let me, let me close tonight with the scripture we closed with this morning. And I want to make those four, kind of the same four points again. Because again, remember we started out talking about, we started out talking about this guy who had bigger barns, you know, and I'm, I've got all this stuff, I'm going to live a long time and enjoy all this stuff. And God says, no, you're foolish because you're going to die tonight and all this stuff stays here. And, and then Jesus said, so it is with people who are not rich toward God. Okay, so what's the alternative to that? Well, in Luke 12, 31, this is the scripture from this morning, the tail end. But seek his kingdom. And again, Matthew said, but seek first his kingdom. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. The, the things that we worry about and are consumed with, those things will be provided for you. Um, Verse 32 says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. I mean, that is so big. Your father, first off, can I just, maybe someone that wasn't here recently needs to hear this. Maybe you're a guest tonight. Do you know, as a believer, God delights in you. If you trusted Christ and you had an experience where you were obedient in baptism, but, but, but you've always seen yourself as a failure, and you honestly believe that God's up in heaven going, shouldn't have let him in. That grace thing was a little bit expansive. Should have narrowed it down. God, listen, as, as, God's grace is sufficient. It was sufficient the day you were saved and sufficient for every day you live. And sufficient for eternity, by the way. By the way. So, so when, don't be afraid. It's, it's his delight. It's his delight. You, you are delighting as his, as his child, as his child, you are delighting God's eyes. Enjoy that. Relish that. 
that thought. And when your neighbor or your husband, your husband says, you're fat, you know, or, or, or your, your wife says, you're lazy, okay? Don't get your value from what people say. Get your value from what God says. And God says, you're my delight. You're my delight. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father likes to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And again, I said, I'm not telling you to go home and sell your house and your car. And I don't think Jesus was either, but he is saying, hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. Don't get your identity from the, from the label on your clothes or the address that you live at in here in town or the, or the car that you drive. Hold that stuff loosely because it's all temporal. It's all temporal. Make sure the eternal overpowers the temporary. Make sure the temporary becomes the servant of the eternal. Sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven. Again, use what is temporary for the eternal good of the kingdom. There's power in that. And then he goes, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Make sure the things that you treasure are not temporal, but are eternal. And again, if you weren't here for the message, I know this makes no sense, but we talked about how in a love song, there's always a darling, a darling. And make sure the darling of your life is the darling of heaven. Make sure God remains the focus of your life. Don't, don't be fooled into the allurement of, of how the world does business. Don't, and by the way, can I just be blunt and say this? Don't let religion do it either. I'm so fearful that so many people are enamored with religion and not God. Stay enamored with God. I appreciate what Dakota said this morning. Dakota said, bless his heart, he said, I always go and kind of be like Elvis Presley. You know, I want to be able to sing like that, you know. And, and, I, and he was saying, he goes, but I don't want that to be my darling. I want God to be my darling. He got it. Yeah, he got it. Make sure God remains the darling of your life. The, the direction, the object of your passion that you have for life. So if you're here tonight, and this is, you're here because of the baptism thing, and maybe the first time in a while you've been in church, we're just so glad you came and I hope something you've heard tonight will help you, particularly the part, if there's never been a time like these folks experienced in their lives, if there's not been that time for you when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you came into the family of God and you're kind of bumping along in life, along in life you're bumping and running the walls, it seems. Nothing makes sense. Well, Jesus Christ brings sense to life. I promise you will. And, you know, the Bible teaches every one of us has sinned. We've all sinned. We're all broken. We all need a rescue. And God loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. And any person, black or white or rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Any person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus can have that gift of eternal life. He simply tells us to turn from our sin, from doing our thing, to doing his thing, to believing in Jesus and following him. That's what these folks did in their lives. And so, and so if that's not happened in your life, I would love to share with you tonight about how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not about Baptist, it's not about church, it's not about religion. It's about this great relationship you can have with the creator God of the universe. It's really, it's really great and it's big. And if you're here today and you're already a believer, just kind of leave the day today with, hey, God's going to be my darling. God's going to be the focus of my passion um, in my life. And I'm not going to put my value in stuff. I'm going to put my value 
in what God says about me. And you know what? I promise you this. That would be a game changer. That would be a game changer when we do that. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing tonight again. Thank you for the privilege of baptizing these folks. Jesus, thank you for walking up your hill 303. And you are there not because of your own sin, but for our sin. And just like those soldiers laid their lives down, you laid your life down. Not for a cause, but for a people. For the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Jesus, that was you. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you so much for that. Father, there's someone here tonight who's never put their faith and trust in your son Jesus. May tonight be that night. May all of us in this day um, who know you personally, with you being the focus of our passion, may you be the darling of heaven personally to us tonight. Thanks for loving us, Jesus. And we pray in your precious name. Amen. We kind of call this our time of decision. It's the way we close the service.